Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. I'm Molly. Today our question, Molly, comes from a movie that a lot of people have seen. And I kind of wanted to not have to talk about this movie because this movie comes up in almost every article that we ran across when Mm -hmm. we were researching this specific question, which is, can men and women really be friends? And by now, all of our wise listeners probably know that I'm talking about the movie When Harry Met Sally, starring Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, my two favorite (laughs) actors in Hollywood. Right. They're such your favorites that you didn't even want to talk about the movie they made together. Right. Or else then I just want to do a podcast just on how great Billy Crystal is. He is a zany fun guy, Kristen. Totally underrated. Uh, you're getting me off track. I know. I'm you're trying to off track. I'm intentionally trying to distract you for some reason. Because you don't want to talk about this question and its impact in the movie. Right. I mean, the whole movie revolves around these two friends, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. Harry, Sally. <laughs> Harry and Sally. First, I was going to say, I don't remember their names. <laughs> In the movie. Um, it's a little early in the morning here in Atlanta. Uh, but, but yeah, it just revolves around Harry and Sally's friendship that eventually evolves into a romance. Spoiler alert. Well, a little late for spoiler alert. It came out in the 1980s. I think <laughs> yeah. we're safe. Well, you know, some people, some younger listeners might not have seen it. But uh, early in the movie, Harry says that men and women can never be friends because at one point, someone, one or the other, will want to... Take it romantic. They'll want to have sex. They will want to have sex. I was trying to be a a little more euphemistic about it, Molly. No, I mean, I think, I don't even think Billy Crystal would want the romance. He just said at one point they're going to have sex. They're going to have sex. Yeah. Their hormones will get the better of them. It's impossible to avoid. And thus men and women cannot be friends. And, you know, if you believe the the outcome of the movie, they can't because they end up married and in love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kristen's given this a spoiler alert, but the, the the two do get together and they get married and they're in love. Right. And I think that this movie may have ruined 
you know, a generation of people who might have had a crush on one of their male friends and was like, eventually it's going to be like when Harry met Sally. He's going to be my Harry. Eventually it. it's all going to work out. It's okay that I'm single now because I got my Harry. But I think that really does a disservice to the men and women who can be friends without sex entering the picture. Yeah. And so we're going to talk today about the possibilities, the struggles, the benefits, all the great things that come from, as the researchers call them, cross-sex friendships. Cross-sex friendships, yes. And I'm going to say right now, Molly, in answer to this question, I would like to hope that, yes, indeed, men and women can be friends. Because what's wrong with that? You know, I mean, guy friends are great. Yeah, I think that, you know, they can bring something different to a friendship than maybe your female friends can. I think you can get something from every friendship, regardless of the gender of the person who is your friend. Every friendship's different. It's like a snowflake. Um, but a lot of people have done writing on the fact that when two females get together and talk, they're talking about their emotions and their boy troubles. And it's just on and on. And it's repetitive. It's, you know, you're always going over all your drama. Whereas if you're hanging out with a guy friend, you're more likely to be, you know, watching a movie, looking up crazy things online. Or if you're talking, it might just be about more general subjects like yeah. sports or TV programs that you both like or funny jokes. Or, I mean, there is some gossip, I think, that definitely goes on. Friend There's gossip. gossip goes and, on. of course, you will discuss what's going on in your life. So mm-hmm. relationships might be a part of that. Um, and f- we want to go ahead and say that, you know, as one of our one of our Facebook fans pointed out, this is a very heteronormative question. Yeah. You know, it's a question of males and females um, and whether sex will enter into it. And, of course, no one really stops to think about whether... Um, you know, two homosexuals could be friends without sex entering into it. It's just it, society is baffled by the fact that a man and a woman can be in the same room and not take each other's clothes off. Right. And I think that for today's generation, for our generation, Molly, it might not be this question might not be so baffling as it used to be, because today it's way more cult- culturally accepted for a single guy and a single girl or married or in relationships, what have you, to hang out in a friendly way. There doesn't have to be some kind of subtext because back in the day, the workplace was almost completely segregated. Men would go out to work. Women would stay in the home. And the only times that the two would really interact was, uh, you know, if a man would come to court a woman. Or, you know, if they were married, mm-hmm. there was really the, the two spheres were, were pretty separate. But now workplaces are far less gender segregated than they used to be. You know, we have just thinking of random things. We have, you know, intramural teams that we might play on. We have trivia leagues that we go out and play on. I mean, it's just it's a lot more common for guys and girls to hang out together, period. But, you know, it's interesting because uh, some of the articles we're reading show how uh, your friendships kind of develop over life. Yes. And they've done a lot of observational studies on toddlers. And, you know, little kids on a playground, they tend to, to stick with their own kind. The girls will all go off and play together. The boys will all go off and play together. And it's not really until puberty hits that the two meet. Mm-hmm. Because, A, you got all those hormones and you want to see what the other sex is all about. And you probably are starting to you know, want to date a few of them. But it's also just a time you're in middle school. You're not all just playing on the playground. You know, there's activities, there's all this stuff. It's just more mingling. And this is really when a lot of cross-sex friendships start. 
Yeah. And then once you kind of move into adult life, a lot of times studies will show that those cross-sex friendships will start to dissolve a little bit um, once people start really pairing off, getting married, having children, because I think it is still kind of taboo for a married person to have cross-sex friendships. I know kind of a couple of years ago, it's sort of an old um, old trend now, but there was, uh, there were all these stories in the news about all these trend stories about, you know, the office boyfriend, the office girlfriend or mm-hmm. husband or wife, whatever it may be. Because nowadays we tend to spend more time with people in our office than quality time with our significant others. And that idea and all of these stories in the media sort of created this idea of the cross sex friend, especially adult friend as a threat to your relationship. That's right. And I was, um, one of our sources was a CBS early show piece that was an interview with the editor of Cosmopolitan magazine, a favorite of many young women out there. And what started out as this piece about whether platonic friendship could exist totally took a 180 in the middle of the story and was all about how as a spouse, you could protect your husband from this predator friend he must have. Yeah. Like, you know, all these things you have to tell him not to talk about with with his friend and all the ways to make sure he's not having an affair. And it all just goes back to this idea that, you know, as soon as a male and a female are friends, they're thinking about having sex with each other. Well, yeah, because she she tosses out this statistic that supposedly 80% of women underestimate how often men are attracted to them. This applies to male friends, not just a guy that you pass on the street and she's saying, you know, they don't have to be necessarily a guy's physical type. Like men, men basically want to have sex with everyone. So women watch out, you know, if he's talking about some cool girl in the office, you better, you better put your guard up and find out what's going on. It was very alarmist. And I think that this came out around the time that we had all these stories, you know, kind of obnoxious stories about the office boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you. Um, well, I mean, was- emotional infidelity is a really big threat to some people. Yeah. But it's just the question of can a spouse not have any friends at all? Like, it's just, it's to me, it's so mind-boggling that you couldn't accept that someone could have a, a connection with another person that's not sexual and not a threat to your relationship. Well, and this this early show piece that we're talking about was also completely one-sided because she uh, basically elaborated on how women need to be aware that their husband might be emotionally cheating on them with a woman in the office, but not to point out that, hey, these women might be in the office and have guy friends too, or outside the office. I mean, all of our, you know, cross-sex friendships, of course, don't have to revolve around our work. And that's kind of the tack that Men's Health, the, I would say, sort of the the brother publication (laughs) to Cosmo, our two illustrious sources um, that we're starting off with here, um, they kind of took a broader approach talking about how women can do the same thing. You know, it can be a testy line, um... Yeah, like a guy doesn't want some other guy knowing how things went in the bedroom, how much money he makes. I mean, it was more like the the male in the situation is going to see this other male as a potential threat as well, but not necessarily in a sexual way, just as just, you know, in a general male competition way. So I think starting with these two very sort of stereotypical sources shows you how the conversation is framed. And if you've ever, you know, had a really close cross-sex friend and had, you know, a girlfriend come up and elbow you and be like, oh, man, you guys are you guys are in love, aren't you? Then, you know, you understand that the main thing you're always going to come up against 
in these types of relationships is the sex. So let's just talk about the sex. So I think this might be a good time to chat about a column that we read on Salon by Mary Elizabeth Williams, where she is extolling the virtues of having guy friends. And she makes a lot of great points about how kind of guy friends can fill in certain gaps that girlfriends can't. You know, they can sort of have your back in a different way that women can. They can take your mind off of things a little bit better than maybe your girlfriends can because you're, you might not be as prone to rehash all of the gory details about whatever crisis is going on. And she, you know, she makes this point, for instance, this, and here's a quote. She says, some of the deepest, sweetest, most enduring friendships of my life have been with males, men I went to college with, men I've toiled in crappy jobs with, men who stuck around long after I lost touch with the ex-girlfriends who introduced us, guys who bartend, guys who play in bands, guys with black belts, guys who make stuff with metal and soldering irons, awesome fracking dudes. And she that's has a lot of great. friends. She's got a lot of guy friends, you know, and and she's right. You know, sometimes girlfriends can fade away and uh, and the, you have these awesome platonic guys who can, can stick by your side. Kick someone's butt. They can, need. Yeah, they can kick somebody's butt. Uh, but then all of a sudden, Mary Elizabeth takes us for a quick U-turn and says, I mean, of course, sex happens with all of these bartenders and black belts and men in bands. But if you're, you know, let's be adult about this, you can salvage a relationship and keep the friendship going. Yeah, she makes it sound like sex is an inevitable, like, rest stop on the way to friendship. And I think, you know, let's be honest. Yes, sex between guy and girlfriends, cross-sex friends, <laughs> sex between cross-sex friends can ha- can and does happen. Um, but... Uh, I don't, I don't think it always happens. It, and let me talk from experience. Let's both speak from experience. It does not always happen. Doesn't always happen. And it doesn't have to. And I think that you should be aware that while, yes, it would be wonderful if we could say with total confidence that we can go out and have sex with our best guy friend and wake up the next morning, high five, leave, and then, you know, meet up for a beer later and it's totally fine. Molly, that's not the case. You just know. I mean, unless I'm living in some like weird dreamland, I, you know, I think that that's sort of the best case scenario that Mary Elizabeth Williams is living out. But let's get away from just anecdotal evidence, um, cause it's not necessarily a bad thing that, you know, men and women have sex sometimes, but I think that it does more power to Mary Elizabeth Williams. Absolutely. But I think it does add a different dimension to the relationship. And I don't like perpetuating this idea that it's once again, going back to that notion that you're talking about, Molly, that's so frustrating that, you know, a heterosexual man and woman walk into a room and if they sit down and have a conversation together, of course, it's got to be leading to one place. And that is the bedroom. I mean, how many men have you talked to that you haven't slept with? Twelve. A lot. (laughs) I mean, that's just a joke, Kristen, but I, I do think that Mary Elizabeth Williams has a good point in that it's a big world. You gotta be friends with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's best if you don't close yourself off from people who can give you potentially wonderful relationships. Yeah. But you know, so far we've gone with, um, the Cosmo anecdotes, the men's health anecdotes, salon anecdotes, salon anecdotes our anecdotes. I'm ready. I'm ready for some statistics. Yes. Uh, me too. Let's get some science behind this if we can. So we're heading over to an article on psychology today. And psychology today actually just had reams of information on this. The writers had a lot, a lot of opinions about whether or not men and women can be friends. So we came across one article on psychology today that really lays out from a, an expert point of view this 
the truths and the myths and the consequences of cross-sex friendships. And since we've been talking a lot about this sex factor, because I think that's really what it, what it all boils down to is whether or not um, sex will ruin the whole thing. So Kathy Working is from Eastern Kentucky University, and she wrote the book, We're Just Good Friends. It explores this whole concept. And one of the truths that she points out in the Psychology Today article is that, quote, it's not all about sex. And she says, in reality, sex isn't always on the agenda. That could be due to sexual orientation, lack of physical attraction or involvement in another romantic relationship. And even she points out that even if friends are attracted to each other, I mean, it's all a matter of choice as to whether or not you take that relationship to the next level. And she says, even after years of considering someone as a friend, it often becomes difficult to see a cross-sex pal as a romantic possibility. And I say I'd, I'd agree with working. And the Psychology Today article points out, you know, that, that this sex thing is largely societal, that we don't have really good role models of how a man and a woman can interact in a friendship that uh, isn't sexual. Because what we see are heteronormative ideals of men and women game together in romantic comedies over and over and over again. Well, and sociologists have pointed out that, I mean, this is a holdover from uh, what I was talking about earlier, where uh, with traditional gender roles with the, you know, men out and men out in the workplace and the women at home, there just really hasn't been opportunity, like non-romantic opportunities for men and women to be just hanging out together as pals. It just doesn't seem like, you know, something that people do. So why go to all this trouble? Psychology Today addresses that a little bit with a few of the benefits of a cross-sex friendship. And it's going to sound really silly when I say it because it's so obvious, but it's just, you know, men and women actually have to learn about each other to get along in society and culture and the workplace. And, you know, if a guy has a gal pal, he will... You know, this again, it's going to sound so silly, but he'll think, oh, it's okay to promote women because so-and-so is really smart. She's my friend. I mean, they are saying that by putting ourselves into this voluntary uh, gender segregation that we do in that, you know, guys are all on one side of the gym and the girls are all on the other side Mm -hmm. of the gym. If they never cross over and talk to each other, they will never know what the other side is like. Yeah, this uh, this is a good segue to this study that uh, you and I found in the European Sociological Review about sex sex segregation in friendship networks. And the author points out that the absence of cross-sex friends may foster in-group feelings and help create gender stereotypes and traditional sexual attitudes. Because he went back and looked at sort of the predictors for people who do have more cross-sex friendships, and it all has to do with attitudes and exposure. For instance, people who have opposite sex siblings are far more likely to make opposite sex friends as well. Um, women in the, who are in the workplace, just because uh, they're going to be around men more often, um, are, have a tendency to have more male friendships. Um, and on the flip side of that, people who tend to have uh, hold more traditional attitudes about the genders and gender stereotypes and things like that are less likely to have cross-sex friendships. They usually stick, you know, with their guy friends or with their girlfriends, whatever the case may be. And so researchers do worry that if you if you do have a cross-sex friendship with one of these people who doesn't have these very um, liberal ideas about gender roles, then you might take a traditional gender role within the relationship almost being sort of like the submissive friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an equal footing. And I mean, we tend to think of friendships as places where you can be equally, an equal exchange of ideas. 
Um, so it's just something to be, be aware of. Well, and we also like to think of friendships as being mutually beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, like think of your best friend, like they're the person that you can call when you're in a crisis and be there for you. And on the flip side of that, you give it back to them in return by answering the phone at 3 a.m. when, when they're having a crisis, um, just for an example. But, um, one thing that these, these studies on cross-sex friendships has found is that there is a different type of benefit that, that men and women get from cross-sex friendships. And it sounds a little reductionist when, when you say it out loud. But, um, I think if we are very honest with ourselves and thinking about our friendships, um, there is a point to it. And this is going back to that study in the European Sociological Review. And, uh, he points out that, um, women report that opposite sex friendships provide less intimacy, less acceptance, less nurturance, and less emotional support than same sex friendships. However, men report that opposite sex friendships, i.e., Friendships with women provide the same amount of intimacy, even somewhat more intimacy and emotional support than same-sex friends. Therefore, he says that both men and women rely more on women for the fulfillment of their emotional needs via friendships. Yeah, you've heard of the universal blood type. Apparently, women are the universal friend. (laughs) But at the same time, I don't think that that says that you know, women are more, women's friendships are more important, you know, because I think that it is just as valuable, even if we might not be feeling some kind of, uh, deep emotional intimacy from hanging out and having some beers with our, our guy BFF. Um, I think that there's still so much value to that and why, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, I really hope that the answer to this question of whether men and women can be friends is yes, because we need each other, mm-hmm. you know? And also, Molly, I think this is a good point, time to point out that throughout this whole conversation, we have been operating under the assumption that these are heterosexual guys and girls. We haven't even touched on the, you know, gay man, straight man, straight girl, gay guy, you know, all of the different um, combinations now. Because like you said, uh, one of our Facebook fans said, hey, guys, isn't this an insanely heteronormative question to ask? And... I mean, yes, it is at the outset if we're just talking about the factor of whether or not sex will come into play. But I, I do think that no matter what, like cross-sex friendships, just gender-wise, not sexual orientation, um, it still is a valuable question to ask because I think that when you have cross-sex friendships, they are different from same-sex friendships. So now real briefly, Kristen, you just mentioned this combination. Let's talk about a, a common cross-sex friendship, especially if you watch a lot of television and movies, because this kind of relationship is all over them. Mm-hmm. The straight woman with the gay guy. The quote-unquote gay boyfriend. The gay boyfriend. The the will to your grace. Yes. The Stanford to your carry. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do three of them, but I, I blanked. So, okay. you I'm know, following you know. <laughs> So you know this this caricature. It's a it's a you know a lady about town. Mm-hmm. She lo- usually loves shopping and eating. She's fun. She's witty. She usually doesn't have a boyfriend because she's so zany and anxious. Mm-hmm. But her her gay boyfriend is there to go shopping with her and provide her emotional support and um, look fabulous with her when when the time calls for it. And there is a so much backlash in uh, the pieces I was able to find against this this idea because it's become such a caricature that to think that, you know, 
the only non-threatening man in a woman's life is going to be this very effeminate gay man. Well, you made an interesting point, too, and we were talking earlier, and uh, not to always come back to Sex and the City, but I think that it is a prime example in where all of this stuff kind of popped up, started popping up in popular culture, um, was that you had, it's about this tight-knit group of girlfriends who don't let any straight men into their life unless they're dating prospects. And the only other men that you see on the show outside of that are Charlotte and Carrie's quote unquote gay boyfriends, Stanford and Anthony. And other than that, that's it. You know, men are reduced to either non-threatening shopping buddies or, um, romantic interests. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and I think that that's, um, kind of doing a disservice to the potential of male friendships. I almost feel like we're a, a very special episode of Sesame Street, Kristen, because the message here, I mean, it's, it's such a silly message when you say it out loud, but it's your, you really do have just to take away all your perceptions of these people away and just be friends. I That's mean, it right. all goes back to Big Bird. And I think one of the reasons why maybe, um, this quote unquote gay boyfriend, uh, pop culture trend, if you will, has come under a lot of fire, especially from the gay community, is that it's not always a mutually beneficial relationship. It seems like these men a lot of times are being treated more as an accessory, a fun accessory mm-hmm. than um, actual people. Um, and I say that in reference to Thomas Rogers' piece in Salon titled, Ladies, I'm Not Your Gay Boyfriend. And I think he brings up a good point, talking about how before... Um, homosexuality was more accepted and more common in today's culture. He says it was mutually fulfilling relationship between, you know, a gay guy and a straight girl. He said men got the appearance of heterosexual legitimacy and intimacy free of sexual tension and women got a touch of glamour and performance and exoticism. But he says that now, um, friendships between gay men and straight men are no longer as taboo as they once were. And, you know, for him personally, that he's just as willing to mix with, uh, you know, straight male friends as straight girlfriends. Big bird. Big bird. Big bird in action. Yeah. Well, guys, there's so much more to talk about in regards to friendship. Of course, we only had time to scratch the surface today on male-female friendships. And so we would love to know your thoughts on this topic. The email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And I just want to point out that all the sources we use for our podcast are now being put up on our weekly blog roundup. Yes. So uh, real quick, let's get into some listener mail. Okay. I have one here from Elisa who writes, regarding the male facial hair podcast, I thought a fundraising campaign that was held recently here in Iceland might be of interest to you. They call it Matumars, which means mustache march, using mustaches as a way to raise awareness and funds for the types of cancer that afflict men. Guys grew mustaches during the month of March and then posted their efforts on a website where donations could be given based on how much people like their style. The competition could be entered individually or by company, and people really got into it. Companies added mustaches to their logos, made pun versions of their names that included the word mustache, and did elaborate photo shoots together. Politicians started sporting mustaches, people took pictures of their kids wearing stick-on mustaches, and the whole country generally started looking more like Eastern Europe, where they seem to like mustaches a lot more than Icelanders do. And I know that those sort of competitions are very popular all over the world. So thanks, Lisa. All right. Well, I've got one here from Ed, also about facial hair. And he shared a pretty sweet story with us. He said, when I first met my wife, I had a full red goatee. I shaved it off while we were dating, but grew a full beard while living in Ireland after graduation. 
Flying home from Ireland to propose to her, I stopped at my dad's house, who told me no woman will agree to marry a man with a beard. I shaved just in case, and she said yes. For our engagement photos, I had a full handlebar mustache, and this is the photo she keeps at her bedside all these 20 years. Isn't that sweet? sweet? Thank you, Ed. Um, and then I've got one to wrap things up from George. This is also about facial hair. And he said, I'm in the U.S. Marine Corps and being clean cut and shaved is absolutely required. I have to shave twice a day sometimes. Mustaches are allowed, however, they are rare. The reason for all of this is for uniformity and cleanliness. Uniformity is very important, of course, in the military and having a beard to keep neat and clean would get cumbersome, especially in combat. And having short hair is low maintenance. As much as I disagree with the idea of it being feminine to shave, much like a woman would put on on makeup, I noticed an interesting occurrence with my girlfriend. I let my facial hair grow to the point where I had some noticeable stubble, and my girlfriend found that very, very attractive. So I would like to just reinforce that point as being true in my case. So thank you, George. And thanks to everyone who has written in. And again, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You should follow us on Twitter and become fans of us on Facebook. We would love to see you all there, see your shining faces. And last but not least, head over to our blog, because like Molly said, you can find all of our sources and cool posts throughout the week. It's at HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.